one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So Harry and Meghan have had enough. In fact, it's so bad they're even prepared to spend half their life in Canada. Is this the beginning of the end of the royal family? Of course it isn't, but it does give us an opportunity to ask whether the royal family is worth it for all it costs. And nobody seems quite sure on what that number actually is. Do they provide a return? Isn't the money better spent on hospitals and schools and other good stuff like turning Big Ben on for Brexit night? Yeah, it's a bit of a different podcast today. It's more gossip and populism and less deep economic thinking for a change. It's the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. So are the royals worth the money we pay them or do they need to be semi-privatised to make their own way in life like Harry and Meghan seem to want to do? Well, look, the Queen is funded by the revenue from the Crown Estate and getting a proportion of that back. It's, it's actually pretty hard to try and make sense of what they are getting their money from. If you go to the royal family's own website, royal.uk, all the meaty information is bedded deep down in the website. It's not in the menu, so it's actually hard to find. But well, that's I interesting. Okay, you, okay, trust you. You went snooping. Okay, I went snooping. Find? I found, in fact, I so I ended up looking at magazine articles rather than official uh, data. But uh, so a figure that was in Vanity Fair that the royal family they say costs each taxpayer sixty nine pence a year. Um, so certainly the expenditure on the, the sovereign grant is £67 million pounds a year, which doesn't mm-hmm. seem a lot, especially when the, the Crown Estate is giving £330 million pounds to, to the Treasury. So it looks like the, the, the royal family is costing us, I, I don't know, somewhere between 70 pence. I've seen other places saying it's, a, it's, it's about a pound, but mm-hmm. somewhere of that ilk. But um, that money is being determined by how much money is being earned from things like the crown estate so in effect you know you could say and i've heard this argument that the royal family is actually costing us nothing because they're raising revenue but you know they've got a, a property portfolio worth 12 billion including sort of regent street a shopping center in worcester all the various palaces country retreats they've got uh, uh hectares of, of land across the uh, across the country the grand duchy of cornwall owns a huge chunk of the west country um, so, it, you know, I mean, the, the money that's being earned from that, uh, they're basically giving that back to us and then taking a, a large slice for themselves. But of How course, large is the slice compared to what they, they, what is the rough ratio? I think it's, I don't know, 15 or 20% I think they're taking back, which seems like quite a lot given that the, the assets are quite large. Mm, mm, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a case of uh, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. If that actually was privatised or, you know, it turned into, into public ownership, um, you wouldn't see much of a change, and you'd lose the entertainment value of watching the tabloids talk about Meghan and uh, and and Harry. Right. So 
I'm, I'm ambivalent on this whole one. I mean, um, there's an extension. I think I am too. This is going to be yeah. a very boring conversation, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, we, we agree. <laughs> I mean, we, we agree we don't know what we're talking about. So, Well, no, look, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, it's what I don't get uh, is that they own these portfolios. Some of them are a bit strange. So I, 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 I can understand that the royal family would own Windsor Castle and Balmoral and Buckingham Palace. I don't get why they own a, a property portfolio that includes Regent Street, a shopping centre in Worcester, uh, and uh, you know b- bits of land around the place. I don't understand why they would be and running this basically as a uh, as a, a the Crown Estate, running it as a as a company. It's got a CEO. They're managing that money, and then um, I'm trying to maximise that. Why is the royal family doing that? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't we be saying no? Like, this you know why is why why are we taking money that we're giving them and uh you know and some of the assets that they've had in the past to to invest in 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 further assets rather than just leaving that to the free market why would they own a shopping center in worcester for example well they used to own the entire country i mean this is the yeah. um, you know we, we go back to the end of the day where free freehold actually means that you hold you, the, all the land is owned by the king or the, the royalty fundamentally in the British legal system. And when you buy a freehold or a leasehold and a crazy land system, and I couldn't believe how complicated the uh, the British mm. land ownership system was, but buying freehold doesn't mean you've got it indefinitely yourself. It's actually uh, and, you know, at, at the whim of the king. It's, it's still a remnant of the day. Well, leasehold, the, do you mean? No, no, even freehold. Hold, right. Okay, freehold doesn't like, and the same thing applies. And Australia has a far more uh, well-designed land ownership system with what's called the Torrens title. Uh, when you hold freehold, you you have that indefinitely. There's no such thing as buying a lease off somebody else. A lease is a totally different thing where you are leasing a property off the landlord, um, and you know, like in a six-month lease or one-year lease. Uh, the property I was living in 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 the UK. <clears throat> um, the people who owned the, the, the leasehold, well, their leases were about to expire and they were debating with the freehold owner whether they should re- extend it for 75 years or 150 years. So it's a, it's a crazy complicated system. And this yeah. again reflects the old um, feudal days of the society. But fundamentally everything, because of, because the, the, the state was formed in its feudal days, the remnants of that still exist in our capitalist world now. And fundamentally, any land you own in the UK, I understand, this is certainly the case in Australia, you own at the behest of the, of the Crown. It isn't, isn't an absolute ownership. Um, it is, it might be, in a system which didn't have its legal system evolved during a feudal period. So, you know, you've got a choice. Do you want your landlord to be an, a, a feudal remnant or do you want to be a capitalist remnant? Um, on that particular front, I'm, I'm still rather ambivalent. Um, mm. it, it's, uh, I, I, um, you know, you, you, if you didn't have the, the, them owning Regent Street, you have, uh, who's the potential uh, capitalist owner of Regent Street? What sort of um, British capitalist could you think of? Uh, that would uh, Lord Sugar be a potential example? I don't, I'm sure he hasn't got that amount of money. Um, but mm. the uh, no, you know, you it would be uh, a private equity firm, wouldn't it? That you'd yeah, be yeah. that you'd be answerable to. Possibly, <clears throat> probably not a British private equity firm. You know, it would yeah. probably be foreign money that would be no, Saudi Arabian. Um, yeah. Mm. So in, in in that sense, I'm not. You know, it, it it is just one of those interesting historical quirks that yeah. the British royal family owns as much as they do. 
directly. And it's like, of course, they own everything uh, legally. They own a certain amount directly, and that's where their revenue comes from. If you kick them out and put anybody else in charge, I'm just, like, I don't know about. I, I don't think I'd be going off to read read uh, uh, the uh, gossip pages about Lord Sugar if he bought any any bits and pieces no. or Mr. Sugar, Mr. Sugar. It would be after that. Um, <laughs> but it's it is just so, a, so the question then becomes okay if they've mm-hmm. got that they're making money out of it the question is how much do they take back and uh, to look after themselves and i think the figure is about 300 million pounds a year and i must admit i found all these numbers a little bit confusing trying to get to to an accurate one but if we say yeah. it is 300 million it actually doesn't sound like i mean it's a lot of money but it's not in the scheme of things it's not a great deal is it when you you, you think that you know one of the things people think about when they think of britain around the world is the royal family yeah, I mean it, it's been well marketed. In fact, it, 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 I think I'm like I'm in the Netherlands a lot of the time now, as you know, and mm. they've got a royal family here, but they and don't have any with an Australian, like, huh? With an Australian? No, know. that's Denmark. Sorry. Oh, Denmark, of course. So, so yeah, yeah. Some, something is Australian in the state of Denmark, not in the state of Netherlands. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, I do apologise. Yeah. So what? Is, so what about the your role? I mean, you, you don't you don't see a lot of them, do you? Or do, I mean, do, no, I'm, I'm, the place I'm, that I've, I've bought in Amsterdam is a, is a 300 metre walk from their palace. Right. Um, so and, and it's a much more physically um, accessible building than the than Buckingham Palace. Uh, there's no gates surrounding it, for example. Um, and but nobody comes to the Netherlands for you know to get high on the royals. They get high on other stuff over here. Uh, but in in the UK, yes, it is definitely a tourist attraction. So yeah, you think you look at it. Okay, yes, they they might be taking say 15% return when the landlord uh, effectively might in terms of total revenue when the landlord and a normal one might take say 10%. But there is also the marketing element to them. The question is, how long is it going to last? Because yeah, because uh, uh, they're all losing know. interest very quickly. Well, I mean, the there was a there was a company called Brand Finance uh, in 2017. They mm. tried to put a value on the whole thing, as brand mm-hmm. companies do. So they say the tangible assets: the Crown Estate, the Duchy of Lancaster, the Duchy of Cornwall, the uh, the Royal Collection, including the Crown Jewels. All of that they reckon is worth, or was worth, a couple of years ago, twenty-five point five billion pounds. Mm-hmm. And then they said, you know, you can add the intangible value, so the benefits that the monarchy provides to the UK economy, like tourism, for example, diplomacy, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they said that was worth forty-two billion. So mm-hmm. uh, all up, they reckon the value of the royal family. What's that? Forty. So it's about forty-seven, forty-seven and a half billion pounds is, uh, it is is what they're worth. So. Yeah, it's certainly a lot more than you would value the, uh, the the royal family where you are, or indeed in 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 Denmark, even if they do have a, a an Australian in their midst. Yeah, and and so that that is a, a contribution, a historical quirk leading to a, a positive contribution mm. today. Um, and if you if you eliminated the royal family, or or um, uh, you know you, you you'd be destroying that that potential tourism value as well. Yeah. Mind you, the thing, if I find anything negative about the royals, it's really about the, the, the washover into the Tory mentality in the, in the UK, the born to rule uh, side of uh, attitudes there, which came coming in as an, as an Aussie and having experienced that on a few occasions. So I had a most recent meeting in, I think it was Cambridge university where I got a taste of that yet again. I, I won't mention names, but it was, uh, I, I wasn't impressed. Um, the born to rule attitude um, that it's not the royal family itself that has that it's the washover of the social class out of which they come and if i look at it you know my my explanation to the the level of separation between the average person in the uk and the the, the born to rule um, upper class elements 
I really take it back to the Norman conquests and say that the Norman conquest completely wiped out the Anglo-Saxon uh, and uh, ruling class that was there, installed the Normans over the top of them. The whole Doomsday Doomsday book was about working out what the assets were worth and, and putting uh, William the Conqueror's uh, lackeys in control of the entire country, and an enormous separation between the ruling class and, and the and the and the mass developed out of that. And I think it's still there. Um, that that is, a, but a, not in the royal family though. Not I mean, in the royal family. This is the funny thing. It yeah. is not. The, it is not the upper echelons that have that arrogance and dismissive attitude towards the populace. It's really the hangers-on, the people who go to with the Eton, Eton, and end up. You know, I think every last bloody prime minister in the UK, bar one or two, for the last hundred years, has been an Eton graduate. Yeah, so it's so more, the, more more result of the education system, perhaps, rather. Yeah, than the, it, but uh, the education system preserving this idea that we are part of the royal. Uh, well, just, the, just of the rich. We are, we are, we are born to rule, okay, yeah, yeah. the born yeah. to rule thing. Mm. So that's what really irritates me, far more so than the royal family itself. Yeah. Uh, and in, in, in some ways, I mean, it's a fascinating sociological experiment to watch what's happening with them right now with the whole Harry and Meghan routine. So uh, the, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because Prince Harry is, in effect, saying that he wants to privatise his bit of the royal family. You know, he wants, to, he wants to stay associated with the family, but he wants to earn his own money, but he wants to live off the name. So... And now, if it was a company, they'd charge him fees, wouldn't they, to, to use the brand? But, you know, and, and is this the first sensible step in a royal family that uh, that, that fends for itself for, for a bit more? Or is it a, a dangerous direction that he's taking a royal family in? Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be a sideshow to the whole the whole thing over over time. But it, 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 there's, there's some dysfunctional, obviously some dysfunctional personal uh behaviors mm. in the middle of that entire family which of course i have absolutely no knowledge thereof but well i mean see... they do insist on stopping this inbreeding that's the problem isn't it that's where it all falls apart when you start to uh, you allow outsiders in the family rather than marrying your cousins you know which is the <laughs> yeah i mean this is where it's all going wrong well, we, we, we tend to forget that the, the First World War was the large part due to the fact that too many of Queen Victoria's uh, descendants were running the various royal families of the, of, of Europe mm. and, and, and up into and including the, uh, the Russian royal family. So uh, the, the, we, we, you know, the inbreeding was far more dangerous back in the days when they actually run things and when they were just a, a, it became a sideshow for entertainment as they seem to be now. I mean, but, there's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, there's a lot of costs anyway, aren't there, which we would have to incur if, uh, you know, if we weren't paying the royal through the royal family for them. So a, a big chunk of the expenditure on the royal family is actually on property maintenance, about $38 million a year. That's part of our heritage, and that seems fairly small bickies, really, if you, you know, because yeah. we've got to maintain Buckingham Palace. We're not going to turn it into a hotel. Uh, if we did, by the way, it's it's worth about two point five billion apparently. But if we if we if we sold it for two point five billion, someone would struggle to run a profitable hotel based on that. So it's a bit of a meaningless. It's too far. It's too far from the city. Yeah, you got <laughs> exactly. Green that's Park true. getting in the way. It's yeah, too far of a wall. Well, you'd have to turn the park into a, you'd have to turn Green Park into a car park, wouldn't you? Multi-story car park. But that's, I think that's that, an idea. Yeah. Say, but I think if you spend that amount of money, then you find it very difficult to actually uh, charge a room rate that people are going to be able to pay. We look at Windsor Castle. I mean, this, these are things, you know, it goes back to the days of William the Conqueror. I mean, we, we, uh, we are keeping it in a working condition rather than a lot of our old buildings, which are in a, in a derelict state. 
Um, you know, so it's it, it, the one thing the royal family is doing is keeping these as, as living, working buildings. So that's got to be a good thing. And we all of that helps tourism. So we've got 40 million people visiting the UK each year. Half of them are visiting the UK. 40% of them are here on holiday. Uh, they're spending about £25 billion in the country each year. I suspect if we didn't have the royal family, a chunk of those might disappear. Yeah, and I think, again, there's extent to which humans should respect their history more than they do. Mm. Um, I mean, the extent to which there's been a destruction of historical monuments and and uh, you know, losing the connection to your past history, even if you don't like the fact that it was uh, something which was feudal and, you know, imposed by a foreign invader and so on and so forth, uh, it's maintaining your long-term memory. So even though the, the current ones seem to have short-term memory loss problems, I, I think it's important to maintain that long-term history of where our civilization came from and it is a bit of a furphy isn't it to say well let's do what's done in uh, in some other countries uh, where they have reduced the uh, number of people who are on the civil list in other words the number of people who are being paid because actually you know how many people in the royal family you pay is small compared to the cost of maintaining all the sites and you know maintaining the the whole entity of, of the royal family whether you've got 10 people or 45 people who are claiming money on that, that's that's a small consideration compared to the whole cost, like maintaining all of these properties, for example. Yeah, yeah and if you wouldn't necessarily maintain the properties, you're saying if Buckingham Palace got sold and turned into a hotel, uh, then there wouldn't necessarily be the maintenance of the grounds around it. They'd also be saying, how can we exploit those, et cetera, et cetera. So to some extent, it preserves part of the culture outside the more rapacious aspects of capitalism that we we regularly bemoan. So, you know, in that sense, yeah, I can live with the royal family. I just wish they weren't called the titular heads of Australia. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and the, the, you know, <laughs> that's they, a, you, there's you, another you, thing. Royal family, but, we, you know, we've, we've moved along long enough not to have a governor general. Absolutely. Uh, we need to, need to, absolutely, need to, and Australia needs to break off so it can start its own royal family. Um, oh, <laughs> no, God, God, the Morrisons, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, well, he believes in... <laughs> Well, I think Bert Newton or someone like that, perhaps. But how are, how are Harry and Meghan going to, uh, you know, how are they going to survive if they if they lose their income from the uh, from the Duchy of Cornwall, which is where they uh, uh, they get their money? That gets gives them about two and a half million a year between them, apparently. Mm. But two and a half million again, you know, it's like that's a lot of money to uh, to the to the average sun reader. Uh, who probably is a big supporter of the royals, but two and a half million. A hundred times as much, yeah. <laughs> but two and a half million. I mean, uh, Scarlett Johansson made forty million last year. So I mean, if uh, if uh, if the Duchess of Cornwall can get a part in an Avengers movie, uh, and Harry can be the uh, the new Superman, they're quids in, aren't they? I mean, you you know, this is it. She's she's from a background where you can make a lot of money, so maybe they will make a go of it. And it it does that. I mean, I've been watching the news over the last week or so, thinking, who cares? And and does it matter if they want to break off from the royal family? I mean, they're not in line uh-huh. to the throne. They don't change the uh, the value of the institution in in any way. If they are going to cost us a bit less, you know, might save me a penny a year. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, we, we live in the world of celebrity culture. So there, I mean, the Megan was a celebrity in her own right before the whole um, marriage routine, and uh, Harry, as a leaving, will be a celebrity. So there's absolutely no danger of them, uh, you know, having to sell their souls on street corners while we remain the, the type of capitalist economy we are now. So uh, they're, they're going to do very nicely out of the whole thing. The royal family itself. I mean, what a what a shake up. Uh, you know, to have somebody saying, I want to leave the royal family 
Um, it, it's only happened once before and for reasons of, of marriage back in the first world, the second world war, uh, to happen this time after the marriage has happened and saying we want to leave. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 it'll do the tabloids a lot of good. It will. Meanwhile, in uh, in Denmark, I was wondering how much I wanted to see how much Mary was getting. So Mary, for oh, yeah. those who don't know, was the, the the Aussie girl. I think she was working in real estate. She met a uh, a Danish prince, the uh, Frederick, the Crown Prince of Denmark, at the Slip Inn in Sydney during the two thousand Olympics. What a do wonderful you know, life! And yeah. uh, do you know what? I think I actually was there that night as well. That's the that's the curious you thing. You blew your chances, mate. You were already married. I know. That's right. Yeah. And there I was. I was in my short skirt and uh, my stilettos, yeah, and it yeah, didn't yeah, work. Right. I could have. Mm. I could have. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah. So I was wondering how much she gets paid as a as a as a Danish royal. But in Denmark, there's. Um, well, the royal family, the total state subsidy to the royal family is about fifteen million. There, I think now, unless you are in direct line to the to the throne, you don't basically get any money whatsoever. So it's a it's a whole different uh, quantum in terms of uh, in terms of cost to the to the state. But then, no one goes to Denmark to see the royal family, do they? No, no, and that's the thing. The, the Brits have got this. They they are the the, the last major empire. Um, at, at the, the sort of decline of feudalism and the rise of capitalism, and now we have a, a world where you know tourist attractions uh, can be a major form of revenue, mm. and it's the only the only royal family that has that status. If, if we if we've been dominated by the Dan, by the Danes, uh, they'd be going to Denmark instead. So there is something unique about the, the British royal family. I must I must I enjoying you talking about uh, fondly about feudalism, something you rally against, and let him. Here he, you are. <laughs> well, you loving it? Feudalism. You like, you like my you like my brother. He says I. You know I am a. He's a staunch uh, uh, anti-royalist. Uh, every time there's any royal occasion, he's got a street party. He's rolling out the uh, the Union Jack bunting in the street, and uh, you know he's part and parcel of it all. You're not going to see me go that far. But what <laughs> what 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 I know about the feudal society is that it wasn't as uh, it, obviously, it was a power structure where the, the ruling class had complete control. Mm. However, um, they also faced peasant revolts quite regularly. When the old saying, the peasants are revolting, is a double-ended joke. And uh, one of the elements of those revolts in the UK was that I've forgotten roughly when the statute came out, but the statute was passed by the House of by the by the royal family, the House of Lords, that a peasant could have no less than I think it was four acres of land to work on for their own needs. Um, and there were, I think there was a set maximum number of days they could be required to work on the royal estates as well, uh, which meant that a lot of the, the peasant life was working for two days and relaxing for one. Um, so in, in that sense, there were potentially more rights, uh, effective rights, even though you had no political power, more, uh, more, more you know, formal political power, uh, some better controls and, and better guarantees for the, the poor in society uh, than you have now where you see masses of homeless everywhere mm. um you know london in some ways i think being the world capital for homelessness so um the, the feudal society had its checks and balances as well potentially better than we get under capitalism where we say let's remove the checks and balances and let the market decide who gets what so yeah that's, i've got some residual fondness for the feudal period <laughs> and you look at you know where we are on the on the world stage and uh, you know, if it is costing us three hundred million, it, it's not costing us that. But it, if we if we took in the, all the income that they were getting, and claimed it all um, uh, directly, then it would you know they they are costing us three hundred million. We've uh, talked about the tourism benefits, but there's also 
the diplomacy as well. I mean, how, I guess how much influence does the royal family have? For example, will we get a better trade deal out of the United States uh, because we rolled out the red carpet uh, for Donald Trump and everyone came and, uh, well, apart from Princess Anne, God bless her, everyone came and uh, shook his hands and uh, gave him a good a good show and uh, all the pomp and circumstance. And he loves coming over here for that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, and I think, you know, maybe other world leaders are the same. Is, is Britain standing in the world better than it would be? Well, it has to be, doesn't it? Was it it's got to be better headed by the Queen than headed by Boris. Yeah, yeah, we have a significance which is out outside the actual economic significance, which has been declining mm. for a century. Um, so yeah, it, it is a relic which uh, has some residual value, and again, like maintaining the history and the culture, I can cope with it. Um, it's it's the scale of spending and the scale of uh, revenue back means that you you know you you can't decide this on the issue of costs. So, uh, yeah, I can handle the royal family. And it's actually, I, mean, I must admit, I, I need a bit of a break from the, the heavy work that I do regularly and the, and the, the Harry and Meghan soap opera is a reasonable piece of entertainment. And I guess also, I mean, there's the whole charity thing as well. So if, you've, if, you've got a whole, if you've got a whole bunch of people, and I know you like the idea that, uh, for example, we should all, um, you know, there should, there should be a universal basic income. Yeah. Uh, well, they're a bit of a test bed for that, aren't they? It's just that the, the, the amount of money we're paying them is slightly more than we might a imagine. universal outrageous income. <laughs> But I mean, if uh, but you know, so what do they do? Well, they've got to fill their time. So they go, well, okay, we'll go to charity events. We'll help help raise money. We'll t- you know, we'll 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 become advocates for for this and that. So long as it's not too political, let's try and uh, fill the gaps um, that society isn't looking after. You know, to, bridging the gap that capital is where, where where capitalism isn't working. And uh, you know, so maybe that's ironically, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, a bit of a, a counterpoint, letting us know that there actually was a different social system once to capitalism, even though they're now heavily embedded in the whole thing and it's all become a fun form of marketing and you know, a tourism revenue. It reminds us there are different ways to organise society and that's not a bad thing to be reminded about at the times like, like uh, the current. Mm. Well, there we are. Good on the royal family then. Yeah, so uh, we don't disagree. What a pain. We didn't have a fight. What a drag. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've spent my entire life with disinterest in the in the royals, but um, you know, I, because it, but mainly because of the gossip within it, and uh, you know, the day to day stuff just actually does bore me by and large. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, but I can see the, the the benefits it's provided, and I tell you, a day out to Windsor. Is a great day out. Wandering around Windsor Castle is is mm. a, is a brilliant day out, and you can see why so many tourists flock there. And you do actually, when you're there, you do feel a little bit proud to be British. I have to say, so, well, I actually enjoyed being. I've, I've, I've done thing you haven't done. <laughs> I've slept at Windsor Castle. Have you? How do what in the grounds <laughs> after, after, after they closed the, the gates? No, 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 no. There's, there's, <laughs> actually, there's actually a whole community there, and there's actually a, wasn't a, Prince a, Andrew a, and his friends, was it? No, 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 no such, no such fun. No, no, no. Thank you very much, mate. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> it's, it's an obvious feature of my taste in, in women that means I didn't nowhere near that territory. Right. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, there was a, a conference I was invited to, which was held in the grounds of Windsor Castle, and the accommodation was in Windsor Castle. So I've maybe I'm biased. Maybe you are. <laughs> all right. Very good. Oh, well, good luck to them all. Good to talk, Steve, and uh, we'll catch you again next week. Okay, mate. Bye. And it is a slightly meatier, less vacuous subject next week. 
Is the share market killing innovation? Stocks are running away with themselves at the moment, particularly in the United States, which accounts for close to half of the all the world shares in terms of value. But does a rising share price do anything for productivity or for company growth? And if not, why are we so fixated with it? Is there a better way of ensuring that resources are allocated to support businesses with the greatest potential to grow and meet our needs? That's next time on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll see you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.